0: Thank you, everyone. You can be seated. So you guys are in for a real treat tonight because I'm not speaking. So you can get a break from hearing me. That's always a good thing. And uh, yes, rounds of applause, amens, hand claps, all those good things. Um, But we have Sam Spadafore speaking for us tonight. And uh, some of you may know this is Justin's dad. But more than that, he's been a pastor at a church up in Connecticut for his life. I mean, really for a big portion of your life. And what really impresses me is when I see a minister who ministers for a long time, is faithfully obedient in the same direction uh, because ministry is hard. And so I have a great amount of respect for him and his willingness to stay and stick it out over the long haul. And I'm delighted that he's continuing our miracle series here. For us tonight. So Sam, come up and share with us the message you have for us. So let's give him a round of applause.
1: It is a great honor to be with you tonight. I have thoroughly enjoyed the, um, the series. I've been watching online. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved all the points. And tonight we're going to go a little further. We're going to look at John chapter 9 and look at the miracle of a man who was blind from birth being healed how many of you have seen a dramatic miracle like that i have seen several i'm going to share a story with you at at the end sometimes they take time sometimes we don't get the miracle we expect and sometimes We see things exactly as we may want to. Let's take a look at John chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. As he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, that's probably the only time this guy was happy he was blind, because he had no idea what happened until he heard the story later. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing There are two things I want to focus on, one just minor and and one the key to what we're going to talk about today. The first one is, have you ever realized that Jesus sent a blind guy on a walk? Think about it. He's blind. Jesus spits in the dirt, makes the mud, puts it on his eyes. And how does the miracle need to be completed? As, As Alex has shared in the past, obedience. This guy had to find his way to the pool without falling in and wash his eyes. Jesus didn't take him there. He had to obey and do his part. I've never saw that before. Now, we think Jesus would be like, oh, come on, let me help you. And could Jesus have healed him without the washing? He could have done whatever he wanted. But this man had to obey. What I really want to focus on, though, is to focus on verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened. The blindness happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now we read this story at the end and we say, amen. But do you understand that this man lived a long time being blind? Not because he sinned, not because his parents sinned, not because of an accident he made, but because God planned that one day a miracle was going to occur at the exact right time but until then he had to live blind he did not train for a job he did not have a wife if you read the context of the chapter this man's probably around 30 years old so at some and most of his life he is pre-miracle he's waiting Now, at this point, he may have given up. We don't see him anywhere here saying, let me find Jesus. Where's Jesus? Maybe I can get a miracle. Jesus saw him. This was planned before time began. Jesus sees him, goes to him, performs the miracle without the man asking for or saying anything. But he does obey. The main point here that I want to share with you from my experience in praying for people and seeing miracles, praying for people and waiting for miracles, praying for people and not seeing miracles, is that ultimately a miracle is a sovereign and strategic act of God who is a loving God and a father. A loving God and a father. When you are pre-miracle, when you're waiting, or when your miracle does not show up at all, what you need to remember is that God is a loving Father. The enemy will try to say, you've done something wrong. There's something not right about you. God doesn't care about you. God's abandoned you and put a wedge between you and God. But we need to remember two foundational truths. Number one, God is love. God doesn't just love. He doesn't occasionally love. It is his very nature. God is love. God can never unlove. And there's something I want to say that I say almost everywhere that I go that I want you to remember. There is nothing good that you can do that would make God love you any more than he does right now. And there is nothing bad that you could do that would make God love you any less than he does right now. I want you to say that. There is nothing good that I could do that would make God love me any more than he does right now. There is nothing bad that I could do that would make God love me any less than he does right now. So when our miracles don't come quick enough, or when our miracles don't seem to come it's not because God doesn't love us or he's abandoned us we must trust him if we get our miracle if we're still waiting for our miracle or even if our miracle never comes the second foundational truth is that God makes all things work for good for his children Romans 8:28 tells us that right God works out everything for our good. So, if it's not good, it's not over yet. If it's not good, the story has not yet found its completion. When you think about those two truths, that God could not love me any more than he does now, that God would never abandon me. Second truth, that God always works things out for the ultimate good defined by him for his children. We have to understand then that every unanswered prayer is an act of love and care. If God doesn't answer that prayer, there's a reason. The timing's not right, there's something better. Every unanswered prayer is an act of love. Think about when if you grew up in church, you were a teenager and when you were 12 years old, you looked at this this guy and you said wow, dear Lord, please make him fall in love with me and now at this age you realize, man, he was really not the one for me What if God answered that prayer? What if when you were little your parents gave you a hard time and sent you to their room and you prayed, God, turn my father into a donkey. What if He just answered that prayer? We have to understand all of our unanswered prayers have been filtered through a loving, sovereign God who cares for us more than our earthly parents could ever have cared for us. So if he's saying no, or if he's saying wait, there is something greater on the other side of the story. How many of you have been in church long enough to have heard the story of the caterpillar and the oriental rug? Oh good, i got some fresh people. The story goes like this. Caterpillar, I don't know who talked to the caterpillar, I don't know how they got the story, out. I'm just gonna share what I've heard. Caterpillar is crawling across an, or, an oriental rug, And as he's going across, he says, this world that I live in makes absolutely no sense. There's black and there's green and there's orange and there's just, none of it makes any sense. There's no order to any of this. And he eventually makes it across the carpet, goes up the wall, builds the chrysalis, and waits. In the proper time, breaks out as a butterfly. And when he does and flies over the carpet, he sees the order and the design and the structure and the beauty of what he thought was just chaos and a mess. That's what it's gonna be like for us. When we pass on to the other side, all of what doesn't make any sense now is going to make absolute sense. There was a miracle that I prayed for. Prayed for with a lot of people with me. And that miracle was that my father, who had cancer, would be healed. I told you earlier, I've seen dramatic miracles. I knew God could do this. And there was no one in my life as as powerful and as important to me than my father. My father was a strong man. When I was in high school and my brother was in high school, my father could arm wrestle both of us at the same time and beat us. But as time went on, came down to about 80 pounds. I could pick him up and carry him. And he continued to pray, continued to pray. One night as I was praying, I had a dream. And in that dream, God shared with me, your father's coming to be with me. The next time I drove from Connecticut to New Jersey, the first time we were alone, I said, dad, do you know what's going on? He said, yeah, I had a dream. God's calling me home. He said, how do you feel? I said, I had a similar dream. I understand. He said, you need to help your mom and your brother. But one thing that's important to me, son, do not be angry with God. I'm going to be okay. Now, he wouldn't have said that years before that because it was the diagnosis of cancer that led him to the Lord. Was the cancer in any way fun, in any way livable for us, it was hell. But, eternal perspective, an eternity with my father, it's worth some suffering here. Because as bad as that was, there's a day that I'm gonna start spending a hundred million years with him. So I want to call you to make some commitments that God has brought me to, that I have had to make. Number one, when praying for a miracle, listen, in case God is saying to you, my grace is enough. Remember the Apostle Paul? when he prayed about his thorn in the flesh, he said, I prayed three times, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And what did he say? All right, God, I know you're loving. I know you know more than I do. I know your ways are greater than mine. If you're not going to perform this miracle for me, your grace is enough. We will get through this together, and ultimately, it will be good. So as you pray, listen. God may share part of the plan, the strategy, with you, and you can work together with him, whether it's what you want or not. Number two, choose to trust God, whether you receive your miracle, whether you're still waiting for it, or if it never comes in the form that you expected. Because that relationship with God is more important than your miracle. Darby already preached my sermon for me when she was up there. I I could've just, but, but I'm a preacher, so what she did in 30 seconds, it's gonna take me about 25 minutes to do. Coming to that place of understanding That just because things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, did not mean that God abandoned me. But that there was a greater love that I did not yet understand has helped me through almost 60 years of life. Make those commitments and your life will become so much better. Not maybe more comfortable. A lot of times when we ask for miracles, we really just want God to make us more comfortable. But if you read all through the scriptures, comfort is not the measuring stick. The measuring stick is God's glory. God realized that it was okay for this man to live 29 years blind, but to one day be a part, an agent of his glory. And when we get to heaven, maybe 20,000 years in, Sadie, Maybe 20,000 years in, I'm going to be, we're going to break into spontaneous worship at some point. And when we break into spontaneous worship and our hands go up, up, I might bump hands at the guy and say, Oh, hey, how are you? I never met you before. And I say, Oh, I'm I'm the the guy that used to be blind in John 9. And I'll say, Wow, really? Because Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal up here. You know, I mean, relatively speaking. And I'll say, well, I, I shared your story at Horizon Church once. And I'll say, oh, are you the pastor there? Oh, no, no, I'm the pa- Alex was the pastor there. Alex? Yeah. Oh, you should see him. He's got a beard down to here. He wears a white and gold flannel shirt. You'll, you'll see him. You'll never miss him. And for eternity, that man's story will be celebrated. And I told you I saw a miracle, so I'm going to share that with you, and then we're going to close I'm gonna close. This miracle took place in Pennsylvania, here, western side of the state. I went to a huge meeting with 70,000 people on the side of a hill called Jesus 77. I'm old. I I was 17 years old in 77. I was there, and the first day I was there, there was a guy leaning on a rock wall And I had a canteen, because I was a real nerdy dude, I had this canteen on me, and I'm walking around with my my canteen, and this guy turned around and said, Hey brother, could you give me some water? And I said, sure, here. He said, could you bring it to me? And I was like, you know, you want my water, and I gotta deliver it to you too? But I didn't say that, that's what I was thinking. And as I'm thinking that, I'm like, well, I'll bring it in. So I walked it over to him, and when I got to the other side of the rock wall, I realized why he asked me to bring it to him. I I don't know what he had, but his foot was twisted, and one foot, his right foot, was facing in the opposite direction. You could see a twist in the muscles. I don't know what he had, but then I felt guilty. I was not willing to bring him the water. I gave him the water. He took it. Thank you. Great. Sunday morning, last day of this huge conference, we're in the last meeting, we're sitting in this giant tent, and the man taught, I don't remember at all what he taught about, but when he was done, he said, okay, well, you know, everybody's getting ready to go home. Some of you are sunburned. Some of you got bug bites. I'm just going to pray that God will just take care of everybody. So at the end of the meeting very simple prayer dear lord thank you for everyone that was here i pray father if anyone needs healing at all that you will just heal them before they go home amen i'm sitting in the back of the circus tent all of a sudden i hear laughter in the front and just like a wave before the wave was created there was this wave of laughter and clapping and i had no idea what was going on and as i looked to see i stood up to see what was going on here was my friend Whose foot had been twisted? His foot was right, and he was running around the tent. And as he's running around the tent, fully healed, man, this wasn't some cast that they cut off. This was fully healed. As he's running around the tent, fully healed, people are clapping and singing and shouting and all that. And he's just running laps around the tent, and we're just staying there and praising God. He can do a miracle. I have no doubt about his power and I have no doubt about his love. So if you don't get the miracle you want when you want it, listen, maybe he's got something to say and understand whatever his plan is, he will glorify himself and the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, you know the desires and the concerns that are on each one of our hearts. Father, I pray that we would find a place in you where we would understand what you're doing and cooperate with it rather than asking you to cooperate with us. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you are all-powerful and we know that you are all-loving. We place our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our cares, our concerns in your hands, because there's no better place for them. In Jesus' name, amen.